Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm going to begin with a story. A story that I know very well. A couple of years ago, I met a young lady and uh, she was a bipolar case. She was a case of bipolar. She was suffering. Uh, from mental illness. And they took her to rehab and took her into all these hospitals to help get her back, but it was only shortly then she goes back. She was always in and out. So I encounter this wonderful woman and then I'm praying for her. And as I'm praying for her, an open vision comes to me. And things started to play out and I was watching them as though I was watching a movie. Very clear, open vision. And on this woman who had mental illness, I saw a demon in form of a male species. It was in form of a male species. It was male, I could see, by form. And this demon had espoused itself to this woman. It appeared to be a husband to this woman. Now, I'm also going to put a disclaimer that I know this cannot make sense to scientists. I know that what I'm sharing does not make sense to people who only understand the world from the dimension of academia. And especially people, unfortunately, who are of oriented mind. So oriental mind, I mean people who are maybe from Europe or a few parts of America. Not all, but majority of those people quite don't relate with the spirit realm. They quite don't agree with those things. They don't understand them. It doesn't mean that they don't have spiritual activity. It only means that even when they have spiritual activity, they do not know that it is spiritual. They have a name for it biologically because they only see from the surface. They don't see things deeper and understand the core of a human being and how these things happen spiritually. And so I am bound to be misunderstood by an academician who only understands the world through the lens of men who only by their own hypothetical conclusions can only define the world in their own selective opinions according to how far they are able to understand. So we must accept that group too. Those of you who are born and have lived in Africa, the spirit realm or spirit world is not strange to you. Even before you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, our great-great-grandfathers practiced witchcraft as a form of worship. They knew the spirit realm. 
things have been happening on this continent that many Europeans, when I share with them, many of them cannot believe it. They think I'm telling a sci-fi movie. But when you're African, you understand this because we've seen spiritual things. If it's witchcraft and you're born here, you know people have done it all the time. But as of whether it can affect one individual or another, now that's relative against the revelation that somebody has of God, their faith toward God. But we have seen a very great part of that. We've seen a lot of spiritual activity. So it is with Asians Asians, especially Indonesians, Malaysians, and that whole group, they understand the spirit realm. They do. If you go to the Chinese, they understand the spirit realm. If you go to the Arabs, and they understand it. They had Majini way before the gospel came. They understand it. You see? They understand it. But when you come to the Oriental, it's autism, it's bipolar, it's schizophrenia, it's whatever it is, it's split personality disorder. I know, yes, it's one of the biggest agendas in the world right now. If it's not climate change, it's um, mental health. And scientifically, we also agree and do what has to be done scientifically. I tell people that I don't have a problem taking somebody to a mental hospital if they can give them a jab or a shot and they'll rest their head and sleep and try to come to terms with a few things. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I've taken some people myself there because there's things that only touch the body. You see, when Jesus raises a child from death to life, he says, give them some to eat, meaning they can die of hunger. You know, some Christians are also not wise. <laughs> they are not wise. He charged them that they should give her something to eat, Mark 5.43. But the power of God has just given somebody life. But then biology would want this person to get something to what? To eat. It's common sense. It's common sense. You know, we have those pastors who don't understand that God has designed the body in a certain way. Even if you are 100% full of the Holy Spirit, there is a time you can eat and there's a time you can live without food. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's common sense. So some of them, I first take them to rehab, they give them some shots, treat whatever they can, and then see that they can stabilize them. And then I can go and then pray for them and they're delivered. In fact, one time I went with Apostle Emma somewhere. We were dealing with a case of a person who had a similar issue. They took to every church, every church. They took here, took there, took there, took there. And uh, the husband calls me and this woman was about to die. So they call me and say, we need help. And I ask them, where is she? She's in some church. They've tied her hands. So I asked the husband, when was the last time she ate a meal? About four days ago. Okay. When was the last time she really had good sleep? About four or five days ago. So I tell this guy, even if you cast out this devil, biologically, that woman has not eaten and slept for four days. Scientifically, she could die. You see? So... Me, I'll tell Apostle Emma and call some other fellow in the church. I tell him, take her to rehab right now. Let them give her some little jab, let her sleep, and let them put something in that body. And so they went, and they did. And then I went in the hospital. After a couple of days, we locked ourselves up in the room for 15 minutes. Me and Apostle Emma, and we got the girl back to sanity. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, doctors are not our enemies. We can work with them coexist. We can coexist. Are you following? But this is what I believe. And you have the right to disagree with me all you want, but you will not have the results I have registered in praying for mentally ill people. This is the truth that every mental illness has a demonic source. Every mental illness I know. 
have prayed for people whom they even sent out of mental hospital because nothing medically could be done. And I prayed for them and they got back their sanity. So I know what I'm telling you. Not one, not two, not 10, not 20. I've prayed for people. I have people in this church who were bound to take medicine for the rest of their lives because they told them that this kind of illness, you have to swallow drugs. And some have lived for six, eight, 10 years without a drug and they are sober and sane. So I know what I'm telling you. Why? Because the Bible has told you why God gave you the mind. He gave you the mind to serve him. Paul says in Romans 7, 25, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. That means this mind here was created to serve God. It was created to serve God. Here was created to serve God. God gave you an intellect to be functional on the earth, not to be dysfunctional. God gave you a mind so you would think and be a procreator and have dominion with him. Not for you to lose your mind and carry things that you cannot deal with. You see what I'm saying? So much as I don't have a problem with what the doctors can do for you, but I tell people, at least try the church too. Give the pastors the opportunity to pray for you as well and let us see. You understand? So we've seen many return. We've seen many come to their senses and we've seen many off those drugs for years. And there's some I'll tell you, no, I don't see that you have the faith enough. Keep those drugs as we're praying. When time comes, God will take you off. You see, you go on that journey with them and build the faith enough. Because let me tell you something. This thing here is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given humankind. Now, if the devil messes this up, I don't know whether it was in Gulwa where a lady had been mad for about 12 years. Soroti. This woman I prayed for on a crusade and she came back to sanity after 12 years on the streets as a mad person. When we asked her the date, she last remembered that date of 12 years ago. That woman right now up to today is sane and sober. But it was on a crusade that they picked her off the road and brought her for deliverance. So I believe in the healing power of God. I believe in the healing power of God. I've prayed children. And I told people, lately I'm starting to get so concerned about kids because now we're seeing more mental health in young kids. Your kids are being exposed to so much. Back in the day, it was not usual. It was a real thing. Now it's so regular that I'm praying for kids who are eight, nine, 10 years and they've lost their brains already. And they're not on drugs either. It's other things. And there are parents in this room whose children have prayed back to sanity and you know it. You see what I'm saying? So lately I'm getting so concerned in what our children are being shown on television and radio and whatever they're being exposed to because the world is exposing so much and the devil is doing so much through the goddess Medea. You see what I'm saying? But that's not what I wanted to talk about today. That was just a by the way for somebody. But I was giving you this story of this lady who had bipolar. And so a vision comes to me while I'm praying for her. And I see this demon in form of a male and it had claimed her for a husband. So the Lord shows me that her father and one or two of her relatives, who I will not mention, had gone into witchcraft and with some fellow committed their family to some witch for generational blessings, so they call it wealth, health, and many of these things. And then they entered into a satanic covenant. And when they entered into a satanic covenant, this is all showing before me, this man who entered there, the father of this lady, a 
at one particular point wanted to come out because of the demands of the covenant and he ran mad in his let I think early 30s he ran mad this was all playing before me and then he had to go back to recommit his allegiance to these demons and from that day on they had to take on the form of getting married to his daughters and he's a Muslim fellow so he married four women and in each of those women these demons were to marry one daughter and in that generation if it is done they go in the next generation and to get women to book so i get the elder sister of this lady and i ask her questions and i asked her is it so that your father ran mad in his earlier years and she said not even this sister of mine you're praying for knows but it is true that our dad ran mad are you following and i said and i see that it's not only her but there are other people as well with this issue and indeed we confirmed that in every woman this man had married there was a daughter who was dealing with the same mental issue and they were all booked in advance by the devil espoused by lucifer without knowledge science bipolar not every bipolar case is like that but this was one of those So then we had to go through the process of helping that household. And indeed that lady since that prayer has never had an issue again. She's okay. You see what I'm saying? In fact, I have not had a case with even the other sisters again. I've not had it. But yet it had even now gotten into the grandkids and some of the grandkids too had started to lose their minds. You see? Now these are facts that happen in society. Another story. I'm somewhere in Kawempe preaching in a small fellowship. It's a little group. And then I get a vision of a lady and the Lord tells me you're supposed to pray for this lady. I get into the meeting and the lady is not there. And I said, but there's a lady I'm supposed to pray for. I hope she will come. And I kept saying it. Towards the end of the service as I'm finishing to go out, a lady walks in and sits on the floor because some people were sitting on the chairs and she was sitting on the floor. Lo and behold, I looked at the lady and said this is the lady that I've been waiting for. She had a child on the back. I told him get that kid off the back. I asked this lady, who are you? Where are you coming from? Immediately the demon spirit manifests through this woman and says, what do you want with my wife? Immediately a demon manifested through this woman and said, what do you want with my wife? And the moment that demon said, I was quickened in the spirit and I could see that it had not only espoused or booked her spiritually, it had espoused itself to three others of her sisters, which all had children out of wedlock and they all had one common experience that when men came in their lives, they dated them and left without explaining anything. So as I start to pray for this woman, and i say not only did you get her but i see that you got her sisters and i said yes they're all my wives and i married them and it started claiming them so we start praying and of course there was a lot of activity i had to get some ushers to hold hand this demon spoke quite a lot and she was delivered immediately and then she comes back to sanity so i ask her is any of your sisters married no there are three right yeah and all of them have children out of wedlock yes and all of you have one thing in common men walk out without explaining anything yeah why because whenever men would come in these poor lives spiritually they felt that these women were not alone who understands what i'm saying these women were not what alone now you can't understand this until you start walking in the spirit if you're one or two dimensional you cannot understand this so we have people dealing with those things you understand because people deal with a lot 
But in why I tell you this story, the first one especially, I just wanted to express to you the power of covenants that can be made and have effect on generation upon generation, even without an thought. But what this boy or woman is dealing with perhaps is 50 or 60 or 100 years old in the house. I pray with families, believe me, I've seen things. And I've seen things generational. And I've seen things that only are covenant. You know, just two, three things grandfathers or grandmothers do. I've seen things that are hundreds of years old. And some people inherit them. Of course, the biggest percentage of that is not born again. Because you see, if you're born again, no person born of God should have a demon spirit on them because you're a new creature. Do you understand what I'm saying? But unfortunately, because some of you, when you become born again, you go under false teaching. You open your spirits up to connect to things that are disconnected from you by reason of salvation. So I have seen people who are possessed by demons because of ignorance, not because it's the portion of a born-again believer. It should not be a portion of a born-again believer. No born-again believer should be dealing with that. But you see, Satan can place a stronghold in your mind through false teaching. Why do we pull down strongholds? Why do we cast down imaginations? Why do we break everything that exalts itself above our knowledge of Christ? And why do we bring all thoughts to the obedience of Christ? Because once this mind is deceived, a man can open themselves out to demonic activity when they're not supposed to be possessed. It's possible for you to open yourself up to demonic activity because of your ignorance. Are you following me, child of God? And sadly, this happens while in churches because people teach the wrong doctrine. So we need to help us understand this reconciliation because you cannot underestimate the power of a covenant, whether it was made in your presence or absence. Some people are dealing with covenants. I went to a family once. There's a lady in this very room. Do you know having many kids and none is married? And then we're praying and the Lord reveals to us that they have this wonderful auntie whose responsibility is simply to do witchcraft in the house. And we identified her. And I told them, tell that woman if she's not born again by November, she's going to die. I didn't wish her dead, but that's what the Lord told me. And she rebelled and that November she died. And that family from then on, <laughs> they started getting married. All of them. All of them. Even the older ones which were in their 40s got spouses and you'd see them almost get married every month, every two months, every four months, somebody was getting married. And I'm talking about brothers having children and they don't see any testimony. Some of you in your house, you don't know anybody that was married on an altar. You don't even know one. Go to your mother's side, nothing. Go to your father's side, nothing. And you think it's normal. It's not. It's not. But I'm not here to awaken things that died by Christ. I'm here to help you understand the power of the covenant and that many covenants can be or have been made on behalf of many households because they're dimensional as well. There is a national covenant. A nation can make a covenant with God through its leaders and God can honor it and hell would honor it too. A community can make a covenant with God. A church can make a covenant with God. A household can make a covenant with God. There are covenants that you can make in your house with God and God would honor them at that level. You as an individual can make a covenant. Wherever an altar is, a covenant can be. You see what I'm saying? 
And for example, in my life, when I understood this mystery a couple of years ago, there are covenants that I have with God for my household. There are things I know that cannot happen to my children. There are things I know that cannot happen to my wife. There are things that I know cannot happen to my family because that's a covenant I've had with God and that's personal. Live along the generic one that we have as a church, but there are covenants that I have as a man of God concerning my house. There are also covenants I have that are not for my wife, nor my daughter, nor my children, because it's not for them, it's me. Those are embedded in the consecration and mandate with which God has given me. These are personal. And these covenants I have made even with certain things and certain individuals and certain... You understand what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. Job one day said, I made a covenant with my eyes never to look at a handmaid. This was a man who made a covenant with his eyes. Remember, if you're talking about a covenant, it's an agreement between two people or two things or two entities. There has to be two things agreeing. You can't agree with something that has no intellect. Do you understand? And now by wisdom, we see in Job 31 that actually even your eyes have intellect. Some of you do not know how awakenly active every part of your being is. Every part of your being is. And because of that, your, every part of your being has the ability to carry vision. You may not understand this, but every part of your being is active. It's active. It has a certain sensitivity to the spirit realm and consciousness. So one day Job sat down with his eyes and told him, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Never to look at the woman lustfully. And never did his eyes ever look at the woman lustfully. Never in Job's life did we see him have issues with women. Why? Because he understood the power of a covenant. Like you can make it with your eyes, you can make it with your body, you can make it with your eyes, you can make it with your heart, you can make it with your kidneys, you can make it with your liver, you can make it with your car, you can make it with your house. I told people years ago, I made a covenant with this land, Uganda. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm in covenant relationship with this nation. Now, you might not understand that. And then I extended the crown outside Uganda and it started to go out and out and out. And that's the effect we have across the world. Why? Because you can agree with these things. You can get to a point through prayer and divine wisdom to know how these things can reconcile and agree with you. Because if they are not, your world will be so conflicted. Nothing will appear in its own time. You'll have the biggest challenges the time when you have most opportunity and you'll not know how to reconcile all of those things. Your world will not be single. It will not be agreeable. Things will disagree with you. Why does your car break down the day you're going for an interview? That day is when it breaks down. Sounds wrong. Sounds wrong. You must live a very reconciled life where everything on the earth agrees with you. Even when it works against you, it should work against you for your good. Do you understand what I mean? So when the Bible says all things work together for your good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes, the world was never meant to work against you. Why do you plant? And the day you plant, that's when all your yield is destroyed. And at the end of planting, you have no harvest. How can the land disagree with you? It's not supposed to be so. That day when you needed help is when your phone went off, when you're in trouble. It's when the battery chose to die. It was alive when you needed to watch a video of Beyonce. But when you needed a breakthrough, that's when your phone died. That's not right. That's not right. But some of you live conflicted worlds. 
you are functioning out of divine time. The appointments of the Spirit don't agree with you. You either let for it or early for it, and when you're early for it, it leaves it. Nothing seems to agree with you. If you're in a shirt, it gets torn. Why should it tear? Oh, no, no, that's normal. No, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. I've seen people who live in that kind of spiral. Things seem to disagree with them at the point when opportunity opens to them. That's when they discover what they were not supposed to discover. Refuse that in Jesus' name. The world must agree with you. The earth must respond to you. The things of the earth must look for you. There must be in agreement. The Bible speaks of that time of reconciliation where even the lion sits with the what? With the lamb and they are agreeable. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. The land yields its fruit and substance to you. Like the Bible says in the story of Cain, the land refused to yield its substance. That means it has an intellect and conscience that can agree with the man or disagree with him. Nothing should disagree with you. Where you live should agree with you. Where you work should agree with you. Come on. The school you go to should agree with you. It should not reject you. Huh? One time we're dealing with a case of a young lady, friend of mine, both and husband, and the day she was going to get married, she passed out. That was the day before. Night into the next morning, she passed out. They did everything medical. We had to pray her back and slapped her back to sanity. Why do you faint on the day when you're getting married? What's wrong with you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why should the faint look for you on that day? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I've seen this multiple times. I know of a family. <laughs> this young lady was found by a wonderful man. I know them. I know them personally. And they go to the village for the cultural what? Ceremony. And that night, the whole family ran mad. The whole family ran mad, including the bride-to-be. So in the time when they're supposed to be decorating and planting tents, these guys are running mad. They are fighting each other. Demons are speaking on them and they're manifesting through them and they're rolling. That marriage didn't last. Yes, they come the things down. They had to bring a witch doctor at night. He cut a goat and what. And so bad, the day was okay. Just a few weeks later, the marriage was gone. Personally, I saw it. So why do they appear at that time? Where were they? <laughs> why do they appear at the day when this person is getting married? You've seen it even on TV. The day somebody is saying, I do, they pass out. What's wrong? What's that thing that can't hold this person together to make vows? Because they are entering a covenant. And nobody goes through that and there's something fighting and they don't have a covenant prayer. Come on, wake up. This is always a covenant prayer. And so it is conflicting with the covenant they're trying to enter. Do you know the day you got a job, you entered a covenant? Oh, you signed on an appointment letter. That was a covenant. And you know that some people, the day they were getting to that job, that was the day they got problems that can't keep them on that job. The day you entered that contract and signed that contract, that was a covenant. Some of you have documents of contracts you've signed that will never mature unless something spiritual is done. Because there's a covenant prayer that cannot allow you to get to that new covenant. Because you don't know the truth or don't, don't understand how to interpret the things that are going on. And then you give it a language. Oh no, it's just these guys are slow. Some people are just not slow. Some of you, it's just the spirit of pleasure delaying your work. Satisfy us while it's still early. The Bible says, that we might join your salvation. You can know when you're late. 
And you can know when there are two or three covenants conflicting each other. They fight. Ishmael was a covenant with Hagar. Sarah's covenant with Abraham was Isaac. Later on, don't we see Ishmael fighting Isaac? Those were two covenants conflicting with each other. Till this day, Paul says that war exists. The one which is born by human effort and the one which is born by the work of God. That is the separation of the law and the grace. That is the separation of Jacob and Esau. Isaac and Ishmael. That's the separation. New Testament, Old Testament. That's the separation. It still exists. It's a covenant issue. First Adam and second Adam, Jesus Christ. That's the separation. And those conflicts still exist. And if you're wise enough, you can actually tell their form. Now, this is a mistake many of us ministers do. Because we recognize and understand these things, many of us build ministry on teaching men about these covenants. And there's the assumption that some of us who don't invest time on that do not know them. Oh, in fact, we know more than some of those people know. But we are respecting a distinctive law in Scripture that says, your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad. Therefore, on your behalf, this is Paul speaking. He says, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and very simple concerning evil. There's a fundamental law that should not allow any preacher to teach more of demonic work than the work of God. But I tell you this because I want you to know that we know these things even more than some of these people claim. Because we've seen these demons in the spirit. You've seen me call out demons by name. Some of them, I can identify their names. I see them written on them. Modest and a small team of group, I remember were in some meeting once. And I found this lady, pastors were praying demons out of her. Get out, get out, get out. And the moment I entered this room like this, I could see the demon. It was seated on her head like the shape of an octopus. I saw this demon, it was the shape of an octopus. This about praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, but the demon is on the girl's head. Go, go, go. I just walked to the girl like this and they just saw me hold her head like that and I threw it away. And the girl came to sanity. Huh? You understand it? Immediately the devil left. Why? Because I could see it. The problem is they couldn't see it. I could see it. My spiritual eyes could see it. I just got her head like that and I pulled it off and literally I saw it leave her head and I say, go! And it flew out and the girl came back to sanity. So I know what I'm telling you. I see them. Sometimes I even see them on human beings as they're speaking. I just don't tell them that Sam is speaking on you. <laughs> but I see them. I see them. <laughs> Sometimes I see people carrying one day I saw a woman with a very back problem, bad back problem. And she felt like she was carrying 60 kilograms on her back. But there's a demon on her like a bag. Every day it was holding her like a bag like this. It was on her back like this, like a bag. So I tell this lady, you feel like you're carrying something 60 kilos on your back, says Apostle. I feel like I am carrying something. I don't know it, but I feel like I'm carrying 60. This thing, you know how kids sit on your back? This thing was always walking on her back like this. And I could see this thing. I could see the demon. So I went on her back and touched her back like this. And when I did, I saw the thing scream out and run. Aah! And the woman from that day never got back problems. So some of you, some of you, we don't just tell you. 
But some of them, not all the time, but sometimes I can actually see those demons. I can describe them. This world, some of you, the problem is you see only with this eye. If your eyes of the Spirit can open, you'll see how many things fly. How many things walk on the road. They are walking, they are moving. But when they find a sun of light, they do like this. <laughs> Glory to God! But they move. They move. That's why when I command them, they hear me. I tell you, I'll never forget the day I was preaching in a place and the demon asked me on a woman. It said, you have found me here also. <laughs> you remember? The demon said, you have also found me here. So curiously, I couldn't just rebuke. I said, where did we first meet? It had first been in somebody and then left and then found another individual. So some of you demons meet you. You were in some church ministering and then they left and then went in another church in another individual. So when they see you, they can identify that, oh, I know this brother. I know you. So you guys say, you found me here also. What you want with me? Leave me. Nah. The first time I, I didn't know that it was the one. So I had to ask it. What did we first meet? And he told me, you see. So you must understand that. Don't be deceived. This world is not all you see. There is more to this world than what you see. You see. But God has given us a fundamental law that we are supposed to have you wise unto that which is good and very simple concerning evil. You know what that means? It means you're supposed to know so little about the devil and so much about God. But there are churches that are preaching so much about the devil and so little about God. And if you study those people, they might have short fixes, but they're never free. Such people, if you study them, they're always dealing with demons every year, 10, 5, 15 years, 20 years, the same demon. The same demon. So you ask yourself, but what is this thing that won't leave you? What is that thing that can't leave your body? What is that thing? You're carrying a disease for 20, 15 years. You demon. Go, 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 go. But the thing is just tied on you like a belt. It doesn't even put its legs around you. Say so you rebuke. Why? Because it knows you're ignorant. You don't understand the power of the covenant you're under. But when you understand the kind of covenant you're under, you will find that the true teaching should be 99.999% revelation. And then 0.00001% about devils. We're not supposed to have time to talk about devils. But you know, there are churches that have doziers. And they say, oh no, those ones, they don't know what they're saying. What do you mean? What do you mean? We don't know what we're saying. If we can get a blind spirit of someone and the eye sees, what do you mean I don't know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we can pray people back to life when they're dead, what do you mean we don't know what we're saying? We do. We just know better. We just know better. That you can't be teaching people every time names, names. This demon, that demon, that demon, that demon, that demon. That. So people know every demon in the world. Praise the Lord. We're not ignorant, Paul says, about these devices. But we prefer to preach truth. But also walk in wisdom. Some of you must learn to walk in wisdom. You see, I know that you're a new creation and you're born again. But some of you have names of your African gods. And this is the second time I'm addressing it seriously. There's something about calling your name and they are calling two entities, you and some other spirit. Mukasa, Mukasa. How do you carry such a name? You know that that's a name of a demon, an African god. Oh yeah, you're a new creation and the old is past and now the new. Oh yes, I understand. But names are never consecrated, they are changed. God has never consecrated any man's name. He changed it. 
Jacob, he was a trickster. He says, from today you shall not be called Jacob a trickster. I shall call you Israel. He changed Abraham's name to Abraham. He changed Peter's name, surname. He was Simon Bajona. He says, from today I have called you Simon Peter. His son named him Peter. Because names are not consecrated. They are not delivered. They are not cleansed. They are changed. There is no law in scripture that can cleanse a name. Oh, okay, so you are called Lucifer. Your parents called you Lucifer. Now you're born again. Then you say, I'm Lucifer, but the born again one. <laughs> you introduce yourself that way. I'm Lucifer, but the born again one. Oh, I tell people there's something dangerous about calling one name and two people respond. You and some spirit. Some of you have Greek goddesses for names. You have Persian gods and goddesses. Heather was helping one of my sons. The boy told me it's called bonus. I asked him, do you know the meaning of bonus? The boy was after some demon god. We had to change the name. How can they call Baal? And then two people turn, you and some demon. Diana, I know I'm offending you, but I'm helping you. Go in Ephesus and read about the goddess Diana. Diana, the goddess. Diana, the goddess is the spirit that directly serves Baalim, Baal. So in that culture, when you say Diana, you were talking about a demon spirit. How do you just keep that? Pray for God. There are many names in the world. Why should they call you and some other demon and two people respond and go, don't you see something's wrong? Move in wisdom. Look at every man God has used in scripture, whether Abraham, Isaac, everyone has a meaningful name. Every man used in scripture has a meaningful name. You're not going to reinvent the wheel. You're not going to change God's pattern. Even when a woman, she tells you, he shall be called because it's important what he is called. Your name introduces you. It defines your identity and destiny. I had to be called Grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? You go read the meanings of the Ezekiels and the who and the, you read and see. You read and see. You read and see. You realize that every man that was named, they became whatever they were named. So, some of you, what's the, I don't know the meaning of my name. Go and search. Go and search your name. If you don't know the meaning of your name, why are you called by a name that has no meaning? And some of you have dog names. Bingo. How can you be called Bingo? I'm called Bingo. How can you be Bingo? Refuse. Refuse to be Bingo. Ha-ha. <laughs> Zeus. How can you be called Zeus? My name is Zeus. No, 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 no. Come on. You're free in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, so take your name serious. Take your name serious. Take your name serious. I've never seen anybody used with a conflicting name. Not in biblical history, not in modern Christian history. You're not going to become the first. Something must change. Somebody shout amen. But back to what I was trying to tell us. I took all of that journey to tell you the stories that I've told you, whatever the devil is doing in the world, and I could tell you more because I know so much, I just don't want to say it. Because I'm supposed to be, take you to the wisdom of God and not the evil and work of the devil. But you must understand why we teach what we teach. But I brought all of this to reconcile one thing, that many of us do not know the power of covenants and how God regards covenants. And if you understood this, you'd understand a very deep secret. 
with God. The Bible says in Psalms 25 verses 14, if you read the Amplified Version, the Bible says the secret, huh? the secret that is a sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord, have they who fear Him. Those who fear God carry a certain secret. Okay? One of the most fundamental definitions in this secret is the understanding of the power of covenants. That's why the next line says, He will show them His covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. That means one of the deepest secrets of God is for God to reveal to you the power of the covenant that he has with you and the deep inner meaning. The deep inner meaning. The deep inner meaning. Because if people have covenants that have affected them for hundreds of years, do you know how much effect the covenant God has with you has on you? Have you discovered the secret of harnessing that power? Have you understood the revelation? He called it reveal. The revelation of the deeper meaning of the covenant that you have with God. Because if you did, you would walk in freedom. But many Christians know so much about the covenants that they made with the devil and the covenants that were made on their behalf than the covenants that they have made with God or that God has with them. And even in salvation, the other covenants still stay. I'll give you an example. Soon, there's something I want to unwrap deeply. Unwrap deeply. Because it is something that I have seen very often now in this younger generation. It was never there as we were growing, but I've heard it. There are people right now, there's a generation, especially this younger group, who have grown up in in a time that is so hard financially. There's a lot of financial strain. The average young man or young woman to make it in life is very hard for them to make it. Now, there are witch doctors. I know about three of them because these people have come to me for confession. These young girls now, what they do, they have found people, witch doctors, which can arrest any man for you. So this is what they do. Instead of this girl suffering through life and hustling and going to work and doing this, you know what she does? She goes to which doctor, gets some charm or whatever it is, some uh, paraphernalia, and they tell her a process of doing it, and then she arrests a man's mind. Hmm? And then she gets a car, gets a house, uh, buys land, what? And then goes and releases him. How did I know? How did I know? Many of them, when they get born again, they start coming to us to confess that I actually tied somebody's husband. Should I go back to the witch doctor to release them or you can release them? These were cute things. 25-27. So, of course, if you're a born-again Christian, but if you're playing in salvation, these things are resting. You just realized your husband changed. The man used to pray. What happened? Nothing. The guy is under some remote control of some castle queen. Anything she wants, she gives. 
Somebody shout fire. fire. Then a few, I received one last year. He also tied a certain girl. So he received Jesus Christ. Now he came and told me, I want to release her. Because whenever he stops answering the girl's call, she runs mad. We had to release spiritually. So these big boys who are rich in town and they have their buildings and money, no, this girl just goes and randomly arrests this guy. You just see this man every day. He just doesn't want to come back home. He's sleeping outside. Nothing his first wife wants he can give, but anything this Kalito Ninja wants, he gives. My husband changed. He used to come back home. He no longer comes back home. The man is arrested. And then you pray for them and it disconnects. And the man goes back to his wife. And then he says, what was I thinking? My goodness. People call me from Zimbabwe for deliverance. One time somebody called me, I think Zimbabwe. I arrested the guy. Zimbabwe. This guy arrested. Now I don't want him. Pastor, help me. This book, 2930. These cute things you take pictures at Sheraton Serena. You know, when you see them, you say, Makodazo, Robo, Zagota. They have learned the quickest way to build wealth. Why do you suffer when you can arrest a Chiga and he gives you everything and you release him? You just take a 25 year old with a Mercedes. And she's not working. She tells you, visit me. She has a posh house somewhere in Muyenga or Bunga or the Lord. What do you mean by the Lord? What do you mean by the Lord? And so if you're there also, don't go back to the witch doctor. Come, I'll release him. I will release him for you. And then you walk free. But stop those things. Stop arresting other people's husbands. Fire times four. But of course, like I say, those things happen to people who don't have light. Of course, if a man of light, no. If they arrest your husband and he was in charge, chances are he was not born again. He was not born again. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, as I was saying, we find that some people or many of us do not understand the power of the covenant that we have with God. And so it's easy to be taken by any other covenant. Someone can even arrest your mind. How can somebody just come and take your mind? Because people don't understand who they are. They don't understand what God has done at the cross. If you go back to the story of David, you remember very well, you have this champion of Gath, the Philistine. Who? Goliath. Big guy. And the Bible tells us that he brought terror on the Jews. And then one day the king said, I need somebody to come and defeat this fellow. And no man could stand against this man. So David going to serve his brother's food, he's told about the story. But he's a man who understands the covenant. So he goes to the men which had brought the proposition in 1 Samuel 17, 26. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, those men that were speaking. The king is looking for somebody who can kill this fellow. He spoke to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? What shall be done? He's asking, where is the pay? What shall be done unto this man and take away the reproach from Israel? 
So who, listen to David, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's saying, who is this uncircumcised? David is not seeing a strong man. He's not seeing a mighty warrior. He's not seeing a champion. He's not looking at the armory. He's not looking at the guy's voice. He's not looking at the man's record of killing. He's looking at an uncircumcised man. And he cannot understand how a man outside that covenant can defeat the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a man who has covenant conscious. He says, who is this Philistine? And should defy the armies of the living God. That's why he was. And then they tell him it's this fellow. Tell them, take me to the king. So he goes to the king. And when the king looks at David, he says, uh uh, this boy is too small. He will be killed in the fight. Then David picked one of the greatest wisdoms I can give you today. He defined his credentials. I tell people that not all the time, but in some instances in life, wisdom will teach you that certain doors cannot open until you define who you are. Until you define your credibility. Until you can allude to your credence. Some doors can never open. And although it's wisdom sometimes not to tell who you are, sometimes it's wisdom to tell who you are. Otherwise, this king was not ready to sacrifice another 17-year-old in the hands of the champion of God. But this boy brought out his credentials. That's why I tell you, it's important to know how to introduce yourself spiritually, not physically, spiritually. It's important to know how to introduce yourself spiritually. Do you understand what I'm saying? One time I was in an overnight. <laughs> and this guy had invited me and he believed in me. And then they had a list of these great men of God. It was many years ago. They had a list of these many men of God that were invited on that meeting that day. And he tells them, oh, there's this guy I want to bring. Oh, no, no, bring him. No, no, don't bring him. We have many people, but we have people to preach. Why are you bringing this fellow? So he fights with them and pleads and they say, okay, okay, we'll give him 15 minutes. So the guy tells me, you know, they've given me 15 minutes and you know why? because they don't believe in you. They don't even understand you. Then there was no funeral, no nothing. I was just a young guy with so much oil. God anointed me so early. So I get into this overnight, and then they call me. We have a young man who is here. Let him exhort for about 15 minutes before the main preacher comes. Now, introduction. I had done everything and aligned myself spiritually because I know the way. I stood on that altar. And I said, can we thank God for today? Because it's about to move. The power of God got like from one corner to the end of the other corner. And just by that introduction, people started getting slain, falling off their chairs, <laughs> demons screaming out of people. Did any other preacher preach? The power of God moved. I went off the pulpit in 15 minutes as had done. They waited for people to sober up for the next preacher. People did not sober up up to morning. That's introduction. <laughs> oh, may God introduce you. I said, may God introduce you. That's how I was introduced that night. So you must know how to introduce yourself. 
Otherwise, you're going to enter every situation, every covenant, every and everything you're going to enter as a victim and a survivor. You should never enter an interview and you look like they are helping you. You should enter an interview and look like you've come to give answers to that company. That's what they are looking for. They are not looking for victims. They are looking for solution givers. Come on, somebody. But it's not there. You do it spiritual. You learn how to do it spiritual. Or, like I said, even those who introduce you matter. I've already said that. There are people who cannot introduce me because they don't have the language that defines me. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to wait for the right introduction. Somebody shout hallelujah. Otherwise, you will enter as a pauper where you're supposed to be served as a king. If it's not yet right to see the kingly on your life, be patient. It will come. But don't force it. Don't fake it. So this is what David is doing. He starts his credentials. He said to Saul in 34, you know, I know people who, <laughs> if Saul would say, but this boy is too small, he can't fight. He'll just stand like my normal African brother and say, you just give him to me and see. They stand like that. You just give him to me and see. Do you know, but you can't. No, you just give him to me. I tell you why do you argue. You just give him to me. No, 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 no. That's not what David did. David said, Sir, when I kept my father's sheep, a lion once came and a bear and took a lion out of the flock. Somebody shout hallelujah. And when I saw that the lion had come for my flock, I ran after him. And when I ran after him, I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he turned and arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. And he says, and I did that to a lion and a bear. Why? Because when he looked like this, he didn't see the lion circumcised in you. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. An elephant, if it is not circumcised, it can't kill you. I don't care whether it's a python, it's, if it's not circumcised, it cannot kill you. So he looked at this lion and realized he was not circumcised, and he said, No, 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 no. And look at the boldness that comes on this boy. He doesn't care whether it's a lion or it's an adder, he doesn't give a damn. He knows it doesn't have the covenant that he has, he goes to its beard and kills it. And he said, I did that to a lion and a bear with his hands. And then he says, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. What do all have in common? They are uncircumcised. Seeing that he has defiled the army of the living God, he shall be as one of them. Now, that stone cannot be released by precision. It's not looking for accuracy. It is guided by covenant. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Why? because he understood the power of the covenant that is under. He understood it. Oh, pastor, I'm troubled at my workplace. Are they circumcised? No. Who are they? Somebody's standing in my way. There's a contract I must sign. Is he circumcised? No. Who is he? 
has understood what I just said? You cannot die in a car accident. Because the car is not circumcised, it can't kill you. You cannot die in a plane accident because planes are not circumcised. You cannot die by a bone of a fish because fish are not Oh, come on somebody. A lion cannot kill you because it is not circumcised. It is not under the covenant that you are. HIV cannot kill you because it's not circumcised. Cancer cannot kill you because it's not circumcised. not. That's the anger that stirs in David. And he gets so angry. Who is this thing? That's the holy anger you should carry. How can somebody uncircumcised bewitch you? Come on! How can they bewitch you? How, how bewitchable can you be that if they're looking for somebody to bewitch in the world, you're the first candidate? No. They must go back and tell their people that Oli Teba Muroga which you can be with others, not her. Hey, come on, somebody. Well, they killed her. How? Poison is not circumcised. Bullets are not circumcised. Guns are not circumcised. But you are. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is the anger that can make a 17-year-old face a lion and he knows it cannot kill him. We are not talking about the strength of Samson. We are talking about the strength of the covenant. David was not strong. He was a man who knew the covenant. That's all he knew. Somebody said hallelujah. That's the anger you get in your body when they say you have cancer and you say cancer cannot kill me because I have a greater covenant than this. That is the day when they say you have heart disease and you tell him I cannot die of heart disease because the heart disease is not circumcised. I cannot die of diabetes because it's not circumcised. I cannot die of hypertension because it's not circumcised. I cannot die of poverty because it's not... I have a better covenant than this. Somebody said hallelujah! You get it by the beard and defeat it. You get it by the beard and defeat it. You get it by the beard and defeat it. There are people we have spoken back to life. They went to a doctor and they received a report and you told them, no, you're not this. You cannot have this. This is not your portion. Some time ago, one of our golden mothers went to the doctor and they told her that uh, she had developed uh, breast cancer. So she came in there and told me, Apostle, they said I have breast cancer, but I'm not taking it. I told her, you can't have cancer. You can't. Not you. You don't look it. It doesn't look like you. It can't be in your body. We spoke words. She went back to the same doctor. Not another. Not second opinion. Same. And he asked her, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? What changed? Because you've understood the covenant you're under. Some of you just accept everything. Oh, you know, they say this, let us accept it. What do you mean, let's accept it? Is it circumcised? No, I can't take it. Somebody shout hallelujah. If it has no covenant with God, it can't kill me. It cannot kill me. I don't care what name you give it, it cannot kill me. So you have to tell yourself every day, 
that whatever has no covenant with God cannot take me out. Because it has to first agree with God first. Agree with your bodies now. Agree with your body now and tell it you'll never carry cancerous cells. You'll never carry killing bacteria and virus. Agree with your body now. Make a covenant with it. You cannot die of heart disease. Tell your body, my kidneys, you will work until the day I'm going. My liver, you will not stop. Command your lungs and tell them you will breathe until the day I want to go home. You're not going to die now in the name of Jesus. You cannot collapse now. Tell your body and tell it, I cannot fail. Touch your mind and say, I cannot have Alzheimer. I cannot carry dementia. Wisdom is mine even when I'm at 100 years old. I'll be thinking like a 20 year old. Make a covenant with your body now. In Jesus name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Tell your neighbor I'm under a bigger covenant. Some of us have burnt shrines. We've burnt witchcraft. We burn it every day. Because it has nothing, nothing. I can give you money if any witch doctor can bewitch me. I will give you money. Leave alone what the devil deceives them over. I'll give you money. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it's not possible. I know what's on my life. I know what's on my life. Tell yourself, I know what's on my life. I told you a witch doctor, a certain witch doctor, who I bought land and she had two shrines. She was a well-known. So this woman comes and she had put two altars there. And then I bought the land from the family. Family said, you're going to die. The first person who came got an accident. The second one died. Everyone who comes to buy, told them, that's why I even told them, you sell it to me cheaply because you see the problem with your land. I also acted like, and now you see what you're giving me. Ah, people are dying there. Then they gave me a cheap price. And I paid. <laughs> so, this woman walks on my land and says, tell the young man who bought this land, he'll not be walking in two weeks. So, the woman was there and the border border people came and said the woman was here she said in two weeks you'll not walk i told them go to her also and tell her in two weeks she'll not be walking <laughs> in two weeks the woman sent somebody to tell me ask that man to come and release me i can't walk and then I sent back the message, tell her to receive Jesus first. She refused, she's not walking. Do you understand what I'm saying? They bring fire on you, you release it too. Those things of being uh, composed and uh, professional and uh, cautious with the devil. No, we don't joke, you send it, I release it. I show you that I'm not the usual average job block. For us, they don't do those things on us. No, they must know your house. That even when they are passing, they know, There's another one in Mukono. He disturbed me and I made him run mad. Now he also calls me a witch doctor. He said, that guy, I made him run mad. I said, mind confused. And the guy started dancing around and... 
<laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't be intimidated by that nonsense. Manya, skip what? You skip it and then we see whether it will touch you. Greater is he which is in you than he which is in the world. You either have to choose to believe God or compromise with the world. I know the covenant, Amanda. It can't allow me to die young. It cannot allow me to be poor. It cannot allow my children to fail. It cannot allow my ministry to fail. It cannot allow my body to die. It cannot allow my business to fail. It cannot allow. I am in a better covenant. I am circumcised in the heart. Glory to God. Give him a mighty, 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 mighty. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Deliverance is taking place now. Whether the devil wants it or not, you'll get married. Hey! Power of the Holy Ghost! Whether the devil wants it or not, you'll succeed. Whether the devil wants it or not, you'll progress. Whether the devil wants it or not, your children will make it. So those of you who come from families that have covenants older than you, there's an anointing here to deliver you. In fact, I see right now there are people God is delivering this very second. Power, Holy Ghost! Loose! You spirit of darkness! Loose! You spirit of witchcraft! Loose! You spirit of death! Get out of her body! Get out of her soul! You spiritual husbands! I detach you from God's children in the mighty name of Jesus your finances are released in the name of Jesus your contracts are released in the name of Jesus your job is released in the name of Jesus your ministry is released in the name of Jesus you're progressing and advancing you're not going to go backward again I chase you out of renting in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus there are people here you've been having children out of wedlock I rebuke that spirit there are women here their families only produce out of wedlock they've never seen marriage today I release the anointing that is going to define your marital destiny and you'll not see it in your children Get out, you spirit of madness. I command you out. Madness, mental illness. Right now in the name of Jesus, I arrest you. Get out. Get out. Get out. You're free. I'm praying for the sick right now to be healed. 
crippled people check your body right now god is healing you god is healing you touch those who are sick and speak life into their bodies because i see god is delivering right now i see barren spirits barrenness barrenness diabetes is living high blood pressure is living those generational diseases are not yours father we thank you for your word today it has changed us it has healed us now if you have never given your life to christ i want to give you an opportunity to receive jesus as your lord and savior repeat this verse after me say lord jesus i thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today i receive you as my personal lord and savior i'm born again Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.